Taste and see the Lord is good. Drink from the cup of his forgiveness. Welcome and thank you for joining us at another Deacon's Roundtable here at WSFI. I'm Deacon Greg Webster from St. Rafe of the Archangel at Old Mill Creek, Illinois, joined with Deacon Mike Alandi from St. Mary the Annunciation, somewhere out near Mundelein. And uh, batting third is uh, Deacon Dave Egan, formerly of Victory Lakes, and now uh, at St. Thomas the Apostle out in, near Knoxville, Tennessee. So welcome, guys. We have an exciting show today because it's science-based, yes, science and theology, yes, that's what a great thing to do. <laughs> we have our, our guest with us, Dr. Heather Wernke, excuse me, I got it wrong, uh, from the University of Mary, one of the great, great academic institutions in the United States, and I'm not too biased just because I teach there too, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, a while back we, we, we started hearing some things about the uh, web telescope, and, and so we thought we would hunt down an expert, and so Heather was uh, kind enough to, to join us today, but before we start, we, uh, we start with Heather, let's start with uh, Deacon Mike in a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And Lord, we praise you for the universe, and we thank you for the universe. And uh, as Psalm 8 inspired us, when I see the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are humans that you are mindful of them? Mere mortals, but you take care of them. O oh Lord, how awesome is your name through all the earth. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So, Dr. Heather, thank you for joining us today from uh, Bismarck, North Dakota, home of the, the University of Mary, where uh, uh, Dr. Heather is a associate professor of uh, physics, if I got that right, um, at the University of Mary. Astrophysics. Astro no, her degree is in astrophysics. Thank but I don't you think so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, and, of course, the, the topic we wanted to start off with today, who knows where we're going to go, but we're um, going to talk about the James Webb Telescope and all the cool things. And the cool thing that that I was talking to my wife, the uh, you know I talked to her once a week. But I know Mike, you're 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 in despite of this, but but I was talking about. She goes, "Why would you talk about the telescope on a, on a Catholic radio station?" And that's exactly why we're going to talk about the telescope on a Catholic radio station. And but first, um, Heather, could you tell us a little about yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm a assistant professor of physics and astronomy at the University of Mary. Um, I've been here for about a year and a half, um, and previously I was um, in graduate school at the University of Colorado studying astrophysics. Um, I've done a lot of work with um, the orbits of stars around a black hole and what happens in that sort of scenario. Um, I grew up in Ohio, near Cleveland, um, and yeah, I'm happy to be in North Dakota now. So you've gone from Cleveland to Daytona Beach to Boulder, Colorado yes, to Bismarck, North Dakota. Are you going to Canada next, or are you going to keep working north? Is that? Uh... <laughs> you know, I don't know what's next. We'll just go with whatever, whatever comes my way. How did you get interested in physics? Um, but was well, it astronomy and then physics? Space, actually, yes. I got interested in astronomy first. Um, that happened in second grade. Um, one of my teachers showed a video of the first woman in space, um, Sally Ride, the first American woman in space. Um, and I remember she was on a space shuttle and they showed her hair was floating all over the place. And because of that video, I decided that day that I wanted to be an astronaut. Oh. Um, 
and I, I sort of ran with that um, for the rest of the years. Um, in high school, I took my first physics class and fell in love with that as well. Um, just seeing how the equations um, explain what's happening in the world around us. Um, I mean, you can explain everything with physics. Um, was just a super beautiful and new way for me to view the world around me. Well, I, I'm going to have to correct you right there, uh, Heather, because I cannot explain anything with physics, but that's just because it's <laughs> it's physics but going going through there. So, but uh, so we'll have to elaborate. And of course, um, we have to remember our, our listening audience, audience. You know, when they think black hole, they think you know Mike's academic scores. But we have to uh, you know remind people that black holes are someplace where there's so much gravity, light doesn't get out. So um, there's cool stuff yeah. like that. Um, so that how'd that make you go to Colorado? How did you, how did how did that uh, bring you there? Did you like to ski while you're um, looking at the stars, or? <laughs> um, I actually never got to ski at all while I was in Colorado. Um, one day I'll make it back and I'll I'll go skiing there. Um, but no, it started out in Florida. Um, I went to a small school there called Embry Riddle Aeronautical University. Um, so it was uh, purely aeronautical. So they focused on. Uh, like flight school and then astronomy, um, astrophysics, and engineering was, uh, was their focus. Um, and I absolutely loved the program there, and so knew right away that I was going to go to graduate school. Um, and um, Colorado was one of my best options um, for grad school, so that's how I ended up there. Um, fairly simple story. <laughs> And then you you graduated at the University of Mary, so that's cool. So um, yep. So to, to get us on our on our on our discussion today, um, you know, recently this summer, the, uh, I don't exactly remember when it went up. Sometime this year, the James Webb Telescope uh, came into existence. And I don't know if you know anything about that, Mike, but it's a it's a telescope that they put out a million miles from the, from the planet, so that the background light wouldn't interfere with the optics that are going on there. So. Just if you watched, I don't know if anybody watches the uh, Nova and stuff like that. They had a really cool show, which my wife couldn't stand because it was a really cool show. And my wife doesn't like science and engineering. <laughs> but uh, talking about just the engineering they had to do, because you know you have one shot to, to place this thing a million miles away. You're not going to really make a, uh, a, d a delivery repair a million miles away. And so they had one shot to do this, and so it took them like ten years to figure this out and billions of dollars and things like that. But uh, that telescope is up there. It does very beautiful pictures, although some people are disappointed because some of these beautiful colored pictures that they see on TV were actually artificially colored because they want to make the pictures look cooler than they are. But anyway, they shouldn't have to do that because it's totally cool. Well, we got this giant telescope out there, Heather. Why, why do we have this telescope out there? Why, why is this worth the investment, and, and what are we trying to do with it? Yeah, um, so James Webb's doing a lot of impressive things. Um, it was launched on Christmas, actually, of 2021. Um, so it's been up there for a while now. Um, and some of its main goals are to search for some of the first galaxies that ever formed. So after the Big Bang, some of the first galaxies that were formed is trying to find those. Um, and then from that, we can learn how galaxies have evolved from their formation until now doing similar things with stars, observing formation of stars, and then we can learn how those stars form. And then one of the other important things it's doing is observing the 
atmospheres of exoplanets. So an exoplanet is a planet not in our solar system, so it's orbiting a different star somewhere else. Um, and we're looking at the atmospheres of those, so um, getting super detailed composition of those atmospheres and things like that. Um, so it's very exciting the things that the things that it's coming back with. Well, I'm sure you uh, you know the, the the first the first question we have to ask is is that this is billion. What is it that's worth a billion dollars for us to find out about a star forming? Yeah, I mean. To learn about how the universe is working, right, it teaches us a lot. Um, it teaches us, is our physics right, right? Because um, physics should be working, right, out there in the universe and on Earth in the same ways. Um, so learning about how those things are working are teaching us um, how things work on Earth as well. Can you give an example of that? Or something that would help illustrate why that is. I mean, and, and of course, I, I'm, I'm asking the question from a point where I do believe it's worth the investment, but I'm asking the question anyway because it is a significant uh, investment, and we should be able to answer that question if we're going to spend the money, right? So. It's, a, it's a good question. Yeah, of course. Some things that have been really important um, if we talk about like the Apollo missions, a lot of things came mm -hmm. out of that that have been really useful on Earth, like diapers. Um, were created specifically for the astronauts there, um, and now disposable diapers, at least, are used on Earth as well. That's a simple, fun example. Other things that have been tested in space specifically are general relativity, which we can then... Um, Just the engineering of the spacecraft. Our understanding is working on Earth as well. You know, I, I have to admit, I, every time I look at my, my, my iPhone, I, I tend to think about the fact that my iPhone... And the technology and the computers were so much more advanced than the Apollo systems that you know that we put Isn't on. Isn't that on amazing? And, and you know, it's like, wait a second, they used virtually a pencil and a piece of paper to go to the moon, as opposed to what we're look compared to what we have in our cell phones right now. It, it's just it's just mind-boggling to me that uh, you know because I actually you know Dave and Mike and I we all grew up listening to the to the Apollo guys and the splashdowns and everything else. It was just totally cool mm -hmm. to watch and and. And all these guys, and unfortunately, we should also, Mike, include a prayer for those astronauts that didn't make it. And uh, not even a space shuttle, but Apollo, of course. Not every astronaut that went up came back. And uh, But the, the, the engineering and the precision and the, the, that had to go in to make that, to make that, enable that was just, and of course, that also gives us technology for, for uh going on today and, and the advanced computers and, and solve stuff like that so so certainly there's a lot of learnings for, for what we're doing and Heather if I can if I can and move it along and Mike and Dave please jump in at a point they um, they always talk about the, the quest for for the Hubble telescope is to teach us about the beginning of creation how can that be yeah yeah, so one of its main goals, as I mentioned, is to find some of the very first galaxies, right? So it's right after the Big Bang. Um, it's about, well, I say right after. It's about 300 million years um, after the Big Bang. But it has just come back, actually, with some of those images of the some of the earliest galaxies. Um, and they're seeing them 300 million years that age of the universe. Whereas previously with Hubble, we had seen um, the earliest ones were 700 million years old. Um, so we've seen further and further back 
Um, but yeah, just getting as far back as we can, right, is teaching us about the formation of the universe and how that's happening um, and how it would have been started. And we certainly have to remind um, people that 400 million years is actually not a long time when you're considering the, the universe has probably been around for 13.8 billion years. So there, we're, we're actually exactly. getting getting very close to where we're going. So, yes, 300 million years is actually quite short in the astronomical time scales. So as from a Christian perspective, do you talk about this in your classroom with at, at Mary? Or do you, uh, I mean, do you address the fact that, 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 there are some implications of creation that that science is, I wouldn't say is close to, but it gets close to every closer every every day. Yeah, um, actually, this was our topic for today. Um, the big thing in cosmology was today. Um, so yes, we absolutely do talk about this in class. Um, the Big Bang was actually um, theorized by Georges Lemaitre. Um, butchering his name, but um, he was a Catholic priest who theorized the Big Bang. Um, and really, it does not conflict with our faith at all. Um, we could have a creator who decides, I'm going to start the universe with a bang. Why not, right? Um, that's not conflicting our science at all, and it's not conflicting our faith at all. No problem at all talking about this in the classroom, no. So, Heather, you can correct me. Uh, this is uh, Deacon Dave from Knoxville. Uh, but I think the story is actually even a tiny bit more interesting than that, that uh, Pope Pius XII, I believe, was so impressed with the argument of the Big Bang that he wanted to use some of those arguments and was told not to because the science could be disproved in, at some point in the future. And you don't want to have the faith based on science. You want the faith based on faith. And so it's sort of a just an interesting aspect of the uh, whole argument. Aquinas got involved in that after the fact. That is interesting. Yes, um, being careful initially, right? When that um, theory was given, maybe it will change, um, and it could change, right? Um, but it's been standing for quite a while now, um, and all of our observations point that this. This would be how the universe was formed. Certainly, as John Paul II said, the truth is a truth, whether it's from science, theology, or, or philosophy. But uh, you know, in science, we're still talking about the theory of the Big Bang. So it, it, it's very consistent. It looks great, but it's not an absolute. It's not a law. The only point that I wanted to make is that uh, you, the science—you don't want to use the scientific arguments in religion. That's all. I mean, whether no matter what the law is. So I mean, it was a really interesting point that I would have never have actually put together. Mm-hmm. You know, I would turn more with a science background because that's what I'm more familiar with. But this is but Aquinas made the big argument. You know, you should never do that. But I, I'd like to challenge that, Dave. And of course, I'm not challenging Aquinas. I'll I'll, I'll challenge you because you know okay. Aquinas was a lot smarter. <laughs> but I mean, science. I mean, if you go back to the fact that you know. Historically, we, we thought that the Earth was the center of the universe, right? And science showed us it was not. And and from that, we, we then had a new understanding of scriptures. So I, I think we have to be careful and say that we, we, we can't argue science. You know, it was, we, we have to use science to understand scripture, and we have to use it because we want the truth, right? So we, we can understand scripture based on 
on what the, what the world is telling us, but it doesn't change Scripture. It changes our understanding. But we, we certainly, um, I mean, the whole whole aspect of, uh, you know, heavens and the earth and stuff uh, had to get redefined as we, as we came out of the cave. No, I'll, I'll agree with you. So, I mean, if you use, like, for example, the earth being flat, that's a great example. If you use that as a basis of the faith, and that was like one of the premises of the faith. Once that was disproved, that would disprove the faith. Be and that was a that was Aquinas's argument. I, I think Mike still believes in the flat Earth, so we have to be. be okay, well, I mean, it's just, it's just, it was an interesting part of the of the science that I would have never picked up on the philosophy part behind Aquinas's argument if I didn't read it. It's certainly something we can continue to discuss. We're coming up on our first break here at WSFI. We're on the Deacon's Roundtable. We're talking with Deacon Michael Andy, Deacon Dave Egan, myself, Greg Webster, and we're talking with Dr. Heather Wunke at the University of Mary about the science, the telescope, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about Catholic education when we get a chance as well. We'll be back in a few. Drink from the cup of his forgiveness Never mind where you have been before Everyone is welcome Open is his door So come to his table Leave your sins behind Open up your heart to him Seek and you will find Hi, I'm Ava Burke, a producer here at WSFI and a junior at Carmel Catholic High School. We are hoping to expand WSFI to reach up to 8 million people in the Chicagoland area. To help us reach this goal, please donate to WSFI Catholic Radio. WSFI has been a vital radio station with getting the word out to so many people. Many conversions have happened through WSFI, and it has brought countless people back to the church and into the faith. But we cannot expand without your financial help. Please take a moment now to make a donation and go to WSFICatholicRadio.org or mail your check to P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Thank you for your help in making this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity happen. Hello, this is Archbishop Blaise Supich, and I'm pleased to be here at the Pro-Life Rally, the March for Life here in Federal Plaza. And I've been asked the question, why is Catholic Radio important? Well, it's important because we need to get the word out. And more that we can broadcast widely the message of Jesus Christ, we really are doing the mission of the church. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at WSFIRadio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated.
We are back on the Deacons Roundtable, and we are very so happy that uh, Heather is still on the line with us now. And uh, we're going to continue our conversation with uh, science, Mike, our best, our best topic, Mike. And uh, Dave has a question. So, Heather, um, one of the things that you were um, mentioning in the last segment is that you were just introducing the web and the Hubble pictures into your class. And um, I was wondering how what the students' reactions were seeing the pictures and then relating that to their understanding of faith or the awe fact, wow factor, saying that there's a lot out there that I have to learn and appreciate that I never realized. And is there a difference between the college students and adults when they look at those things? Yeah, so there's absolutely a wow factor when you share those pictures that are coming from the James Webb Telescope. Um, Everybody is in awe of what they're looking at. Um, and generally have similar reactions between the college students and the adults, as well as little kids. Everybody is in awe of these pictures. Um, but yeah, I think it's also intimately connected to faith. Um, not so much, I mean, yes, intimately connected with the James Webb pictures and everything. Um, but I had an experience um, when I took my students out observing with just our own smaller telescope. Um, and I put Jupiter in the viewfinder. Um, had students almost weeping just from the beauty of it all, um, just knowing how vast um, this universe, just there's so much to see there. Um, and yeah, the, the wow factor is real big. Yes, I think there was, um, I think a rite of passage for many people that some event happens in their life and they realize the world does not revolve around me. It's a much bigger. And so that's, it's great that the kids are seeing that and it gets you to experience that, you know, and hopefully that also uh, a journey for the lifelong aspect of saying, I need to know, I need to know. Absolutely. Yeah. It just brings in that, that experience of wonder and how can I figure out what else is out there and how can we describe it and things like that. But if they're going to be wild by Jupiter, what do you, what do they react to when you say well, we're seeing galaxies and galaxies and galaxies, <laughs> not, not just you know that little you know, we're seeing gazillion stars and gazillion of uh, things, not just Jupiter. I mean, it, it, it's how do you get that across to to a college student that just how? I mean, adults could have a little bit more. Yeah, it's big, but I mean, college students they don't think you know the distance between the, the classroom, the dorm, and the bar is you know, the distance that they want to go to anyway. But but the the vastness of it, I mean, that, that that's the cool thing, and I really hate that they color these these pictures, Mike. But the I mean, just the vastness. I mean, we're, we're talking within three hundred years, three hundred million years, excuse me, of of the Big Bang that that they're they're targeting to see. I mean, and that's just thirteen point five billion years <laughs> away <laughs> i mean it is just is just is just mind-boggling and as as and how, how do you how do you heather go wide with it and then bring it back home yeah um it's fun you get to blow their minds over and over and over again um but one thing that i like to do is i set up a model solar system across campus um and it's set to scale so um, there's a sun and an earth and all of the planets all set up and they're itty bitty bitty little planets, right? But they span all the way across campus. Um, 
And so we'll walk between them and we'll count the steps between each of them. And by the time you're getting to Pluto, you're like, yeah, we're not going to walk to Pluto. You'd have to walk <laughs> this full distance again. Um, and so that's one way. And then once you've gone through just the solar system in that size, um, then you say, okay, now the next closest star, right, is cities away, right? Um, and so that's just the way to start, right? Um, start showing this vastness. And the space in between is just huge for these actually small uh, things in between. So after you have them blown away for all practical purposes, um, which is kind of interesting because, you know, if you're in North Dakota, the distance between towns is kind of big, right, For not like <laughs> it is here in Chicago. But the uh, you're on a campus that, that is authentically and wonderfully Catholic. And so when, when, when you have these conversations, what, what stirs up in, in their minds in terms of, of their faith, their religion, God? What, 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 what are some of the questions that you hear, Heather? Um, so a lot of questions, I haven't had these questions as much here, but a lot of times I'll get questions, how can this, how can you believe the science of this, right? And the faith, that doesn't work together, right? But we know, of course it does. Um, and what's really great about this campus is it encourages us to explain that yes, it does um, all meld together as one. Um, and yeah, we're encouraged to explain that and um, faith and science, right, are both intimately connected um, because you cannot have the whole truth without both of them, right? And that's the point of a university is to discover truth. Um, and if you're trying to find the whole truth, then you need all aspects. Well, that's, that's, that's interesting that you didn't don't get a lot of questions because you know when I look at these pictures, I'm like, oh my gosh, my God's not big enough. I, you know, of course, in spiritual direction, we always talk about how oh, God has to be bigger and everything. But you know, when you start talking about light years and things, now you're you're seeing, you know, how some of these things it, it's starting to come real. It's like, it's like, okay, God made the universe, but no, God made a big universe. <laughs> I mean, it, it's infant, you know, and it's expanding. I mean, these kind of things are just. Um, you know, from a scientist perspective, they're wonderful. You know, light, the Doppler effect, and all that stuff that's going through there. But, but in a religious respect, I mean, you're thinking we are like an atom to the rest of the universe, even if, if that big, right? For the for the analogy, yet God knows everything that's going on in here. I mean, that just that's just cool. You know, and people people might say, well, how can you know if God's you know building stars, thirteen point eight billion years a year from you know, does he worry about what's going on? It's like, yes, he's God, right? So, so the fact that they don't do those kind of questions are kind of interesting to me. But of course, maybe because at a campus like University of Mary, they're not challenging their faith enough. I don't know. So well, what I'm generally seeing, rather than questions of how is this possible, it's more, wow, and increase in belief. Um, Whereas other places I've been, it's maybe a decrease, like pushing back. Like, this does not increase my belief because we're just proving science or something like that. Very cool. Well, it is really cool to be on the opposite side of that where we're getting to increase belief. And I hope that that can happen in other places as well, too. One of the things that uh, I dealt with sort of often was that, yes, there was you write about the disbelief, but as you get further down into the details, I mean, for example, I'm, I'm a 
biologist per se. So when I look at the intricacy of a cell and all the different components of it and what's going on and the thoughts of like 20 amino acids can pull all of this together. Never, I mean, it's just that's where my awe factor or wow factor comes in. There's no way that this just happened by random chance. I mean, it's just it had to be directed in some way. Yeah. It's just with possibilities. Well, I know many, many astrophysicists who have absolutely no faith at all. But I also know plenty who say, how could you not have any faith when you study this? How can you, just to look at the math and the equations of how it all works, and not believe that there's some creator out there that brought this to us? So looking at the vastness and all these conditions, when you look at these pictures as an astrophysicist, you see something different than... than what three goofy deacons see from these uh, these pictures. Does it make you feel like there's other life out there? Where are you on that kind of uh, discussion? Other life, yeah. My thought is maybe there could be. Why not, right? Um, the real answer is we don't know. And then we'll, we'll continue looking, and we may find life and we may not. But there are many different places where there's a high likelihood of some sort of bacterial life, um, of something like that, that's sort of nearby to us, right? Moons and things like that in our solar system. But out in the universe, sure. Why, why couldn't there be other life, intelligent life? Why not? Well, the biggest question, is there intelligent life on this planet? <laughs> 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 I'm going through there. Um, well, what was it in the news a while back? They said something about UFOs or something like that. As an astrophysicist, what do you think about UFOs? Um, so a UFO is anything unidentified. So if I see some random thing in the sky and I don't know what it is, that is a UFO. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice cap out on that question there, Dr. Heather. <laughs> correct, though. That's correct. <laughs> now for the intent of the question, Dr. Heather. Yeah, um, but that would be a UFO to me. Maybe there have been UFOs. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what else we can say about that, really. Um, I think that if there really have been um, intelligent life that have visited us, we would probably know about it. Um, if if there's sure. now the the focal plane for the uh, for the Hubble telescope and for for the. Uh, the new telescope out that's pretty small, so it'd be pretty easy to stay out of that field of vision if you were a UFO, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> I feel like not necessarily. There is a possibility that um, there is life out there, and they're just so far away that they're if they're sending messages or anything like that. Like, we sent a message, right? And it's taking forever to get to wherever it's going, right? Um, so we sent it to the nearest star to us. Unfortunately, we're broadcasting Laverne and Shirley reruns at the same time, so maybe they don't want to contact of us. Of course, right? Um, <laughs> but the same thing, right? If they're sending a message, it's going it's long distance. It's going to take a really long time to get to us. Um, so that's part of this also. Maybe they are out there, and we just haven't been in contact yet. Um, this is part now, of what we call the Fermi paradox. Are these fair questions for your class? I mean, I mean, if, if, if do these subjects come up in your class, or is it too away from the uh, the, the textbook uh, conversations of planet this and planet that and all that good stuff? We do spend one day on extraterrestrial life. And pro or con? How's the, how's the class <laughs> it's go? The exact sort of stuff we talk about. 
Um, so one thing that's very important in the, on that day is what we call the Drake equation. And this sort of tells us the possibility of um, how many different worlds could be out there with intelligent life. Um, and it's sort of like a probability um, type equation. Um, and it depends on all these sorts of things, right? Star formation rate, formation of stars with planets, um, the fraction of planets with life, and then the fraction of planets with intelligent life. And there's even more terms in there. Um, so this is a tool that's used to think about this. Um, and it has a huge range of possible answers because many of the terms we don't know the answer to themselves. Um, so it's more of a tool for just discussing what things are necessary to be able to find a world like this rather than for finding a precise value. The real answer from the Drake equation is we still don't know. Is there an approximate <laughs> value for it though? Um, it's, I mean, it's a huge range between zero and 15 million. Cool. It's like winning, yeah. a, it's like, you know, Add to the lottery ticket, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's see, your differential equation with 400 terms. <laughs> That's why I didn't do physics very much in college. I, I have a very simple question, maybe crazy, uh, regarding UFOs. Everybody's seeing them. The question I, I have is, have we ever seen one through the telescope? Um, not that I'm aware of. I don't believe we have any... Um, images with UFOs in a telescope. No. Every, every um, there are things that show up, right? A satellite will go through, but we can explain what that is. So, <clears throat> you know, it, it's interesting when you when you talk about faith. I mean, we take so many things on faith, and we answer it's like, well, I don't know, right? And mm -hmm. it's faith, and and that's an okay that's an okay answer in faith. But when you talk talk about UFOs, you can't say that. It's like, well, why not? We don't know. It's okay to say we don't know. We don't know. You know, it's it it absolutely okay to say it. Yeah. You know but uh, as you know, when you when you get the advanced degree, Heather, that you you come out of there and you graduate, it's like well, I'm supposed to know these things, so I can't say I don't know. So t you got to get some gray hair like Dave, like uh, Dave and I and Mike, to, we get comfortable saying I don't know, or <laughs> maybe even married long enough that our wife tells us we don't know and <laughs> going going through things like, like that. So, but uh, so what are we missing on these telescopes, uh, Heather? What what should we be looking for? What should we be listening for in the news that we that we're not really paying attention to attention to these days? Mm. <clears throat> um, so James Webb Space Telescope is one of its things is specifically looking for exoplanets and looking at their atmospheres. Um, so that's pretty cool. Once we know what an atmosphere is composed of on an exoplanet, we know more about whether life is possible there or not. Um, whereas before, we could say this exoplanet is this far away from the sun, and maybe that'll help us figure out, but if we actually know what is in the atmosphere, um, that'll help us a lot um, in determining if life is possible. Not if life is for sure there, just if it's possible to be there. <clears throat> or life like us, more more likely, right? Because it could be a different right. form, non-carbon-based water, needing all that nonsense. Well, right. I think that Dave would study biology class. <laughs> so. Well, actually, one of the big questions that I was going to ask as you were explaining that, you know, we are based, uh, you know, oxygen-based life, but what about a nitrogen, which is the, on the chemical end of the world, that's the next closest one that you could play games with. Yeah, sure, you so, could. I mean, <laughs> life could form from a different, um, different base, absolutely. Right? I mean, again, we don't know if it has, um, but w why couldn't it? 
right? It's it's out of our realm of knowledge of how that would work. And how does that how does that sell to a, to a a college student on your your one day of discussing it? Um, some of them were skeptical. It's, it was very balanced. Some of them were like left the class saying, "Nah, there's no aliens." Um, and some of them were like, "Oh, maybe." this could be possible. So, right? so I, I should I should preface that question with the, I think the average University of Mary student is pretty with it. I mean, they, they, the, the ones that I've come across in the classes I've worked with is they're, they're, they're very high caliber students. So we're not talking about students that are, that are uh, majorly goofy when you ask these kind of questions. These are people that put some thought behind it. And that's why I, was, I thought it, it was kind of a relevant question to ask. So um, but we're coming up on our break here, and we're not going to take six weeks between breaks again. Molly, right? Thank you, Molly, as she shakes her head on the radio. <laughs> we'll be coming back. We'll be, uh, we're with Dr. Heather Wunke at the University of Mary, and Deacon Dave and Deacon Mike and Deacon Greg on the Deacon's Roundtable here at WSFI 88.5 FM, AM 750. We'll be back shortly. Taste and see the Lord is good. Drink from the cup of his forgiveness. Never mind where you have been before. Everyone is welcome. Open is his door. So come to his table. Leave your sins behind. Open up your heart to him. Security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. My name is Father Dominic Pelusi. I'm a member of the Priests of the Sacred Heart. I have been ordained for 41 years. St. Paul tells us, how shall they call on Jesus in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe unless they have heard of him? And how can they hear unless there is someone to preach? We have the opportunity for Catholic Radio to do exactly that, to bring the Word of God into our houses, but more importantly, into our hearts. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. And we're back. It has not been too much longer, even on regular time, let alone astrophysics times. We're back with uh, Dr. Heather at the University of Mary and Mike and Dave. And uh, Dr. Heather, Dave wanted to ask you a question about scientists. So we're going to transition over that. 
So yeah, one thing you mentioned in the last segments of um, one of the questions is believing and non-believing scientists mm-hmm. and looking at the same things and someone say, there's absolutely no way there can't be a God. And other ones will say, what are you talking about? I can go back and can show, explain this with this formula, et cetera. So, and it was, that was also my experience in dealing with the, when I was in the workplace, I've been out of the workplace now for four years, but there was a very big equal mixture per se about people who were believing and non-believing. And I was just, what have been your experiences and are there anything about differences between the people believing and non-believing? Um, I think a lot of times the non-believing scientists um, have been non-believing potentially before they even began science um, and they almost want to prove that they're right in that way um, whereas a believing scientist isn't really doing the science to prove that they're right um, but maybe doing the science just to learn more about the universe um, that God created. Um, so I know that's that's one of the reasons that I enjoy studying um, science or studying astrophysics. Um, I will observe patterns of stars ob- around a black hole, right? Um, and a lot of people will say, okay, that's really easy to get bogged down in the details and just how the equations work for that um, and just explaining that that way, which is true. It can be easy to get bogged down in that. But when you take a step back and you say, okay, that's true, right? Those stars are moving in that way because of those equations. Um, But those patterns are also there um, because God wanted those patterns to be there then, okay, now you're looking at the universe in a really different way. You're saying, okay, yes, it's true that these orbits are following these patterns because of these equations, but God put those equations there, and now you're seeing something even more beautiful. Now you're learning not only about the patterns of the stars, right, those those specific orbital equations, but now you're learning about how God thinks almost, right? Who is this artist that created this beautiful universe? You're learning about him, um, which is just an absolutely beautiful way to see the universe and to see your work. Um, Would it be fair to say that that instead of saying God intended it that way, that God knew that this is what was required for a universe that sustained life to exist? I've always heard that if some of our constants were a little bit different, life couldn't exist on Earth. Right, the speed of light and gravity, everything like that. It, so, is it? And there's no answer to here. I'm just, you know, being goofy scientists out here. But, but is it? Is it that God intended to be this way, or is this the way it had to be, to have the universe He wanted? Of course, He could have created anything. He could make any constant, whatever constant He wanted to make. But I, I just, I don't know. I don't know if God intended to be that that close. I just think, you know, it works. <laughs> you know, I don't. You know, they all talk about intelligent design. Did, did God really sit down at a at a at a, at a blackboard and work all this out or you just say boom that would that was it of course we you know i I won't know for another 150 years mike so we'll find (laughs) ask that question so um could could the difference between a believing and a non-believing scientist that dave Dave you've mentioned could that be generational dave i definitely think that plays a part in it 
but it also, I think, as Heather said, it if and when you probably grew up in a family that was believing that you have more to look at, your, your equation's a little bit wider as far as looking at things versus having a very narrow focus. Um, and society also plays a role within that as well. I mean, it's, um, as you were making your comments about God and the uh, equations, I mean, as someone who is, uh, you know, I was glad to get beyond differentials. <laughs> <laughs> having to have got a piece of paper and a pencil saying, okay, but wait a minute, let me figure this formula out. Um, versus us, we're just trying to understand the complexity of something. You know, I think it's much great, much bigger than that. But as far as the generation, to go back to your question on the generational thing, I mean, I am living in basically, it's um, a pseudo retirement. They don't consider it a retirement, but realistically it is. And so for the Anglo masses at our church, it's um, a mixture, but it tends to be a more the older side than the younger side. Versus the Hispanic community, it's a lot younger populations and families. And it'd be interesting to see, to answer your question, as a function of time, as they grow, what's going to happen with the next generation if, if and when they're not as churched? as the the parents were this is so i think there's both of them and as you're non the more you're non-church the more you're trying to find secular or you know scientific explanations versus uh having the the wow factor and i said i know as i was getting closer to retirement i was uh I had a lot more wow factor in that you know i didn't try to explain every single thing that was going on i just said okay that's Maybe for someone younger, they can try and spend their career figuring it out. Uh, in the meantime, you know, goodbye. But this isn't this cool that this took place. I know. Sometimes I think God, you know, created such a wonderful universe just to give us something to look for him. Make it, you know, a great puzzle to solve as, as, as we look for him, as we you know, keep us out of trouble as we're doing that. So I was wondering, uh, Heather, since, since you were at a, a, a powerhouse Catholic school at the University of Mary, uh, did that play in any of your... Were you concerned about going to the University of Mary as a scientist? Were you excited about it because you wanted a faith-based college to do that? Or was it the only opening, so you took it? But what, what was our thought that for, for going from, uh, if I remember correctly, University of Colorado to, to uh, Mary? Yeah, I was very excited to be moving to a Catholic university. Um, I've been at public schools um, all, all of my education was at public schools um, and this was the first time that it was important to me that I was looking specifically for a Catholic university to work at. Um, so yeah, I was thrilled that they had an opening um, and I got to come here. Because it's, and of course, Mike, um, <clears throat> when you talk about University of Mary, you're talking like Steubenville and Ave Maria. I mean, really strong Catholic programs, not like, you know, some of the ones we have here in Chicago that I attended as well. <laughs> um, where faith, you know, when I, when, you know, 100 years ago when I was an undergrad in, at a Catholic school in Chicago, faith didn't cre creep into anything other than a the theology class that you that you had to take mm. for or for that for the most part and if you're lucky you saw a cross on the wall and things like that so so at the university of mary though it, it does seem to creep into a lot of other classes um but I, I was wondering why is it i mean ave maria has a very good good program i actually taught a class that they're they, they have a very strong pr program and uh, i'm assuming mary's is a pretty strong program is is are these strong programs because they know that 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 faith needs to balance with science 
or to, to incorporate it? Or, or why do some of these, these really Catholic schools have pretty good science programs? Yeah. Absolutely it. It's because these universities are trying to form the person as a whole versus saying, okay, you're trying to get a science degree. Take only science and math classes. You don't need anything else, right? Or you're trying to get um, a history or a literature degree. You don't need to take science or anything else. That's very different here. You need a broad range of classes because we're trying to form the whole person, right? We're trying to seek the truth, which includes all of those aspects of education. Is there a physics major at University of Mary? We're working on it. <laughs> very soon there will be. Okay. So the students that, that are taking physics are the biologists and chemistry students right now, or is that what, that they're fulfilling that requirement for the most part? Or? Yeah, we get all sorts of majors, um, like radiation technology students that are going to be working in the medical field. All, they all take the physics, yeah. And so you're, you're designing a, a curriculum for your physics students, and uh, what, what would you say would sell the University of Mary to, a to a, someone who wants to study physics? I mean, here at Northern Illinois University, they say that we're, you know, 20 minutes from Fermilab, you know, things like that. Uh, what, what, uh, what are you going to use to sell your major? I think it's that you get the faith-based science um, that you're not going to get at a public school somewhere else. Um, but here, you're going to get the deep, integrated education um, from, from all sides of the truth. I think that's what will sell it. No. I think that I would sort of agree with your approach. I never heard a joke at one point that, uh, you know, someone made a comment at MIT that, you know, science can't explain everything. And then there was a war that took place with that statement. But one of the other things I do remember was when I was having lunch and someone uh, made a comment. I said, oh, yeah, there's uh, Jonathan Swift and uh, a modest proposal. And they looked at me like, what do you mean, indecent proposals? I said, no, no, it's, it's, it's a bit of satire. And so this was like, I'm, guess, I'm just going to pick a number, 12 scientists, and none of them had ever read a modest proposal. And just like, okay, you're a bunch of nerds. You know, there's a big world out there besides science, and you, the whole point is the scientists to integrate everything, or try to as best you can. Now, Dave, I'm a scientist, and I've never read a book, so that's just... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I, just I went to state schools. I just <laughs> want to throw this in there. I was reading up on a, a, a bishop who's well-known. I won't mention the name. And uh, he was answering the question about uh, the existence of God and whether there is scientific proof about the existence of God. And he says, no, there isn't any. So that raises the question in my head. What's the relationship between faith and science? Why should I go into science uh, and, and would that increase my faith? if we cannot prove the existence of God with science or scientific methods. Is that a general question or is that a question, Heather? It's a question for Heather. Okay. <laughs> Not for you. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> um, I guess I would answer that by saying can, uh, we can't disprove God either with science. Right? Okay. It's sort of tough to disprove a negative though, but we'll leave that alone. Okay. <laughs> I, I love to tell an, love to tell an atheist friend of mine that God exists whether he thinks so or not, you know. So, really, does does God feel the need to be proven? <laughs> I mean, that's our need, right? For, for, it's our need. For, it's our need. Yeah, some people it. need that, but yeah. But you know, for for those type of people, could you ever really prove it? I mean, 
I mean, what, what does Jesus say? If they're not going to believe a guy who, you know, came on, died on the cross and came back from the dead, who, what, who are they going to believe, right? So, um, of course, those people have to, are you talking more like the, the Thomas people, I got to put the finger in the side and stuff like that. But um, I, I don't know that, you know, some of these people, they're so, they're so locked in their own mind. Could, could they ever be open to the question? I mean, the question is, do you have to open your mind up? To, are you open to the, to the possibility of, of, of God? You know, now we're talking yep. RCIA, right? You're, you're, you're starting saying, what, what is faith? That's opening yourself to the possibility of looking and looking for God. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I agree. And in, in fact, when I look at uh, the universe myself, the question I have is not so much, is there a God? But it just breaks my, my paradigm and says, there's got to be something more than all this evidence of stars and black holes. There's got to be something more. That's, that's, my, that's my gut reaction. I can't say I ever looked for God in the Schrodinger equation. <laughs> you know, you know, I that no, I guess that maybe 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 that's that's my. I mean, you know, Dave. I don't think Dave looked the microscope was looking for for God when he's looking for whether the mitochondria were, were going around and stuff like that. I think mm -hmm. that's you know, it, it. So I never had the conflict between science and and God because I was never something. I mean, I think it's kind of cool that you know you think about atoms, you think about the solar system, it's the same kind of picture, right? You no know, coincidence. I don't know, but the uh, you know if you're doing science. You're doing most, you know, science is you're collecting data and you're examining data. You're not, you know, that's not really never lent itself to me a, a theological discussion or things like that. Uh, just, just maybe that's because I'm just a bad theologian and a bad scientist. I don't know, but it's, it's just, um, because you know, Dave was talking and, and Heather was talking about scientists who believe and not believe. I always told people that that was generally a, that's a social scientist issue because in my experience, most, most of the scientists I know, um, they might not be active Christians, but they kind of acknowledge that there's something out there for the most part most of the guys i hung out with at, at, Nor at northern illinois were catholics so <laughs> and they were they were you know graduate scientists so but um i i uh, you know the whole idea of faith and science is is to me it, it's fodder for radio it's fodder for for television but you know serious scientists i don't think are really that into it too much and i really hate listening to robert Barron talk about science because it is just <laughs> i the, didn't the, mention the name the man I didn't say the name the, the man is brilliant by all means he's wonderful god bless him he's a bishop a successor <laughs> of the apostles and, and everything but i hate it when he talks about science because he thinks that everything he, he thinks of science in terms of of philosophy and I, I there's no great philosophers in science that are, are that that i listen to you know when i'm doing a chemistry experiment so and Bishop uh, Barrett, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that is of comments they made, and I think that uh, I think Heather hopefully will agree with this, that it's more of not getting lost in the data and being able to look at the forest from the individual trees. And I think that's where the faith really comes in. You know, we can all look at the data and come to. Uh, you know, sort of things, but having to step back and say, where does this fit in the big picture? And I think that's where your faith really helps you to step in, to acknowledge that you're clueless. I mean, I found it was very easy, especially in grad school, to just get bogged down in the equations and just writing, um, writing code, right, and getting stuck in the day-to-day -day and not having the big picture there. Um, and it was really important for me to make sure that I continued to step back to that big picture um, and say, wow, this is what I'm studying. I am studying a star being torn apart right now. Um, it's not just some numbers and letters on the paper. And I think that's what's cool about the Webb Telescope because it just opens us up to wonder. 
You know, it's kind of like Christmas when you think about the Christmas star or you look into the sky. It's all about wonder, and and, and that's so much of our faith. We wonder about these things. So, Heather, uh, great luck to you and, and God's blessing for your work at the University of Mary. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate talking to you about uh, all these wonderful subjects. You're listening to the Deacon's Roundtable at WSFI 88.5 FM, AM 750 on your AM dollar. Have a great week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Everyone is welcome. Open is his door. So come.